Hello and welcome to the Nile Nine Podcast. It's me, Andrea Cleary, joined by Luke Sharkey. Hello. Nile is on his holidays, but never fear. We are here to talk about songs from Efterklang, Wiki, and two Irish albums this week from Derma Kennedy and Girl Band. A big week. It's very exciting. So how have you been, Luke? What, what have you been doing in the past week? Anything interesting? Um, I have been up to some good stuff, mostly spinning plates here in the office. Um, okay. When I was away, there's a lot of plates to spin. Mm. Um, other than that, I was lucky enough to go catch Dylan Moran on Tuesday, and which was, was fantastic. Yeah, he's still so funny, um, which is great. And I'd never seen him before live, which is, so it was really nice to go and catch him. Got Where was material. he playing? It was in the Vicar Street. Vicar Street. And I thought I was going to get that experience. Like I'd seen on so many stand-up sort of uh, videos throughout the year of like Irish people sitting around the tables in Vicar Street and I was so looking forward to that yeah. and then we had a seat up on the balcony so uh, slightly devastated I, re- I really like Vicar Street for comedy gigs yeah absolutely it's yeah. it's a, re- it's, a n- it's kind of a nice setting I think it, it suits better than the Olympia or worse again the three arena yeah no I've, I've never seen a comedy gig in an arena I don't th- I feel like the delay on it would be too much yeah like you're there's too much like time between that no I wouldn't be able for it yeah that's for like the reserve for the superstar comedians like uh, Kevin Hart or whatever comedians that I'm largely Not uninterested in, in. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um so you went to a march yes I was at the climate strike march last yes. Friday doing it for Greta and me and about 25,000 other people f- turned up Irish people and it was fantastic um, I was a little bit late to the march, but joined everybody at Marion Square, heard a lot of the speeches, really nice to hear, um, there was quite a big portion of people from sort of primary school, like 10, 11, 12 year olds, kind of giving little 30 second speeches, oh. which was really nice, um, a lot of calling out of Leo, Good. Um, and the Irish government in general, which I think is well deserved, and thoroughly justified, and it was uh, just really nice, it was really nice to see so many people turn out and you know funny enough for a climate change kind of strike the weather was absolutely beautiful (laughs) (laughs) the sun was splitting the stones um well i suppose that's probably part of the problem i don't i don't know i don't know how weather works but um yeah it led quite nicely into culture night because it it seemed like a real day i wasn't at the climate uh strike because i didn't strike from work because i had to go from work i'm very sorry Um, (laughs) but yeah that kind of I think there was just a massive buzz and sense of community, like uh, residual from the climate strike. And then when I did join the city centre for Culture Night that night, it already felt like it was electric yeah. in the air. Do you know? I, I 100% agree. I think yeah. Dublin was alive the whole it day. It was, yeah. And did you did you get your share of culture? I got some culture, yes. Uh, some culture, some not culture. So um, I started off in the science gallery. And they have a exhibition on right now called Perfection. And it, it's brilliant. I've heard great things. It is really, really brilliant. Um, it's about kind of our, our perception of what perfection is. A lot about societal standards of beauty, um, about self-image, self-love, self-care, all the selves. And it was ge- genuinely really moving, even though... It was obviously packed because it's culture night and you're sort of having this experience while there's like hundreds of people around you. It's not exactly a quiet gallery moment, but um, yeah, really, really, really great. And then we moseyed on over to the National Gallery. Um, So it, it was my idea not really to see that much music on culture night, which is, I know, probably not what you would expect, but it's like, I see music a lot during the year but it's not often I get to go to the National Gallery at night time so decided to go over there for the what was going on Sorolla who is a Spanish 
painter. I probably pronounced that wrong. I didn't know him before, but he's, I think, known as the master of light. And it was like beautiful, really kind of impressionistic paintings. And he's known as the master of light because when you're looking at one of his paintings, it looks like someone's shining a torch on it or like it's lit in some way, but it isn't. It's just the paint doing that. It's incredible. It looks wow. like it's lit from the back. It's like absolutely incredible. I'd really recommend people to go see it. And it was like, you know, discounted. So I actually got to go to it. And yeah, Culture Night is, is nice for things like that if you can't really afford to go to like the expensive it's a, stuff. It's a very inclusive festival. It is. Which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. Yeah. There's no, there's no real um, pay barrier. No, to, to no. Like, I mean, I, I saw that exhibition for a fiver. The, the science gallery one was free. Yeah. We got a free drink in the science gallery one, which is lovely oh, as well. Oh, very nice. Um, and then we went to... We just stumbled upon um, some hoopla at Dame Street and saw everybody looking up. And we were like, well, what's going on here? And this kind of like bassy tones started and I really didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden there's these, I think, four or five people up on a crane. um, And then they drop down and they do this like aerial acrobatic stuff. And I... I thought it was really, really beautiful, but I do wish that I'd watched a video of it after the fact rather than watching it live because <laughs> my anxiety was through the roof watching them. Like, I, I know the professionals, but I was still like, oh my God, you no sa- really are. Was there a safety net or? I don't know. I wasn't up that far. Like, I was back quite a bit and Dame Street was packed. Like because they pedestrianized the entire street. They did. The yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the irony was you couldn't move on the thing because <laughs> it was just <laughs> completely taken over. But, um, it was really, really stunning. It was amazing. Um, and then when they all dropped down, they had like the culture night colors. And so it, cool. Yeah, and it, it felt like a real kind of moment. Was there like an LED element to the performance? Like a like a projection or screen? Yeah, I think there was on the side of the crane, but I couldn't see it. Okay. Um, be- because of where I was standing, I could only really see them doing their bit. Um, but like really, really great. You went for a later performance of yeah, that and it was I think canceled. there was three and I swung by, because I swung by at nine, I think, and mm. the last one, I think, and it had been called off. There was just a, sort of a man in a high vis with a megaphone saying, due to high wind, we can't do the show. Well, I know. So I, uh, I'm glad they made the decision not to go ahead with it. <laughs> <laughs> As if it wasn't edgy enough to begin with, we're yeah. going to do it in gale winds. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, and then I think that's where largely the culture stopped um and then i went to the gin palace for a drink which is one of the best bars in dublin the gin palace gin palace on um what street is it um abbey street around there near near jervis shopping center yeah best gin um and then i went along to pure shores uh louise burton and mix uh mick la galaxy was in wigwam um yeah in wigwam and that was brilliant it was my first time there um it was kind of everything i wanted and more really inclusive really brilliant pop tunes just dance the whole night and uh saw our good, good friend neither and i in there at some point in the evening as yeah, well he, so, he disappeared uh, from his own gig yeah, um, to yeah. Go, to go now there, you know yeah. where he went <laughs> <laughs> that was my culture night what, what did you get up fantastic to? i i was um a lot less cool than you I, I, was, I don't know. I, I just held it down at Workman's for the Nile Nine gig. Okay. Um, that's, we, that's cool. We hosted um, a free gig and we had Silverbacks and GIF and Odd Morris and also TPM's traditional uh, sort of alternative to what they usually do called the Mary Wallopers play. Um, so I mostly, I was there, kind of held down there for the night. It was fantastic, fantastic gig and like a lot of football, which was fantastic. I think mm. 
obviously it being free incentivizes people to come and uh, the workman's was absolutely packed Brilliant. and I think a special highlight was we had the Merry Wallopers play sort of after most of the main bands had wrapped up and they played you know the, the bar beside the actual venue yeah they played like in the space to the left of that and it was absolutely jammered. Like you just could not, like there was maybe 100, 150 people just squeezed into that space. That's lovely because that area is like a little, like uh, like little cubby hole or something. Exactly, it's very yeah. intimate there. And yeah. they just had like a wee small PA system set up, played through that and it was amazing. Myself, Niall was there, but I, I, he was across the room. He might as well have been a million miles away. There was no way I was ever going to reach him. So I was with one of our other writers, Kelly. Yes. And we were like right beside the lads. And Brilliant. Just great gig. Great, it was like trad music, but with a real sort of modern, almost punkish aesthetic. It was, it was fantastic. Brilliant. I've heard such good things at the Mary Wallopers, and I really want to catch I, them. I would, anybody listening, I would, like, I would so recommend really? Mary Wallopers. If you get a chance to see them, go see them. Okay, great. So that was my culture night. Not, yeah. not as cultured as yours. You mentioned before we started recording some news. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I haven't been at the music news today at all, because I've just been, you know, head down in work or whatever by saying that there might be some issues with the Kanye West album tomorrow. So, Jesus is King, Kanye West's next album, Mm -hmm. supposed to drop tomorrow, all supposed to drop tomorrow. And then a report comes out, um, and everybody's covered this report, sort of Rolling Stone, Fader, everybody's saying that a source close to a magazine, Variety magazine, is where the original report came from, has claimed that the album will not be coming out tomorrow. Another delay. Um, Kanye West's album has delays and other news water is wet mm-hmm. except there's a twist here uh, and a very interesting twist Kim Kardashian who is you know apart from being Kanye West's wife his de facto publicist at this yeah. point has retweeted a tweet with a picture from a strange Twitter account we'll get onto that later yeah. saying that the album is still coming out it says the tweet says two more days Jesus is king and a picture of what looks like one of the Kardashian West children pointing at the finger saying two so this is a strange story because, well, I'm, I'm like, it's not that surprising to hear that, you know, there's going to be a delay with a Kanye album yeah. or that there's a little bit of a question mark about, about the album. But it's, I guess, the lack of clarity from anybody. From anybody. Like, and then t- tell me about this Twitter account because this is so wild. This is, this is just a Twitter account uh, called Colin. And it it's at Colin? It's at Colin. It's at Colin AGS. And this man, or this woman, it could be, we don't know, it's a totally anonymous, has two and a half thousand Twitter followers, two of which are Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. So that's wild because Kanye doesn't follow anybody. Yeah, which, like. is, which is just wild. And all this Twitter account, this anonymous Twitter account does is post about sort of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and retweet stuff from them, about them. And he, and or she, we actually don't know, has put up this picture saying... It's out in two days. And Kim Kardashian, almost in spite of the report saying the album isn't coming out, has reposted onto her Twitter account. It's so strange. So she retweeted this tweet after the piece came out. After the story broke, saying the story basically said that Def Jam, who are Kanye West's label, who everybody knows Kanye has a ton of issues with, Mm. went to Kanye's Wyoming gaff and had a meeting. Nobody's, everybody's being very tight-lipped about what happened in the meeting. But the end result was that after this meeting, the album wasn't coming out tomorrow. There was a delay. So obviously there was some sort of friction or disagreement about the album. Maybe they weren't expecting it to be gospel themed. I do think it's going to be a gospel album. Yeah, I, I would assume Jesus so. is king. I'm lot, hoping it is. Because people had originally built it as Jesus Take Two. Mm. And I think when it was called The Andy, I believed that more so Me than... Me too, yeah. I don't know if it's the same album. 
and but apparently it's not coming out and then once that story broke kim went and retweeted this tweet which flies directly in the face of that story and who do you believe like an anonymous source or kanye west wife it's so strange it's yeah it's weird because i guess the thing is we haven't heard from kanye about this album once really like there's no when when the album was announced it was via kim kardashian's twitter yeah a picture of the track list with just Jesus is King, uh, September 27th or whatever it was. And there's been nothing from Kanye. Like, obviously you're not expecting a whole lot of promotion, but it's just, yeah, it's striking me as strange now that there's the day before there's all this like dubious. Is it isn't. Is is this the promotion? Yeah. Is this it? This is some avant-garde promotion, if it is the promotion, very 21st century. Is this what would happen to all artists, though, if they just didn't have social media presence to say what was actually going on? I mean... Yeah. Like, this, the, the, the big voice missing from this whole debacle is Kanye. Like, he hasn't said anything about it. And I wonder if there weren't, like, if you, like, with the likes of Frank Ocean and stuff like that, if you weren't active on social media, people can just say anything and break a story about you and you're not going to come out and say it's not true. Mm. it's crazy I just find this Colin thing very strange Kanye follows 266 people and they're all like super mega famous stars they're like fashion designers and stuff this person has two and a half thousand followers and this is one of them no information like we're just gonna throw it out a hot take is it like a second Kanye account is Is it it Kanye a secret Kanye account See, that's what I love so much about this story is that I'm so excited. <laughs> it combines all my favorite things, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian and conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's wicked. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess we're obviously going to have to wait and see tomorrow if the album comes out. Yeah. What are you expecting from it? From the album, mm. I, I expect it to be amazing. Um, Do you? Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think he seems to have spent the last year kind of getting right and... Also, very importantly, actually continually playing music live. He's, mm. Like, he's doing the Sunday service thing relentlessly across the country. And I know there's always a big question mark when people find God and they do that album or mm. they do that stage in their lives. There's always a big... Oof. Yeah. But I think it will be a gospel album, a gospel-themed album. I don't know in what way. How do you square that with, like, his releases last year were so sexual, all the stuff he did last And then it's like, all of a sudden, it's... Jesus is king. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Kanye has always been a spiritual artist and a, like, a, in ways, a religious artist. Like, I think, I think God has always been there in, in, in his music. So I, I, I'm trying to stop myself from expecting an album of Ultralight Beam because I, that's what I want. I know that is that's that what, what you I want. want. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously variations of that, but that level of, kind of spiritual connectedness to God, whatever it was that Chance was trying to do um, yeah. on his, let's just his call pres- a spade a spade, uh, the failure of an album that he had. His, 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 yeah, his wifey, his wifey expedition. <laughs> exactly, yeah, the I Love My Wife album. So I'd, like, I, I don't know, I don't know what to expect in terms of collaborations, if yeah. it's going to be, I hope it isn't. Um, I hope there's not too many collaborations on it, mostly just because I have big album release collaboration fatigue at this stage yeah it's such it's become such a thing 2019 and 2018 as well 2019 especially just so many superstar releases with like everybody's on it yeah like i i was getting a bit sick of like pop albums coming out and it's just it's 
that artist, but it's also just here's 10 tracks with 10 other artists on it. I'm just getting a bit tired of it. And then the Lana Del Rey album came out with like very, very like minimal collaboration yeah. on that. And I was like, yeah, no, this this just works better for a big, a big pop release. So I think that's why I might be a little bit nervous about like a lot of collaboration on the album. Having said that, I think Kanye more times than not tends to do well. He sticks the landing. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. And he's he's not afraid to give the best verses to other people or to let other people no. do their best on his no. tracks. I think that the most iconic Kanye lines are often the worst lines in the song. I Absolutely. Think if you have a track of Kanye just spitting bars, there's always going to be a couple of lines that you get like a you know, you left the fridge open and someone took a sandwich. You're always going to get one of those. And they're the ones, you know, nobody goes for it. They're yeah. straight out of Kanye's soul. They're the beautiful lines. You know what I mean? Does he have a ghostwriter? You think so? Oh, he has many, I think. Yeah. I think he has many. Um, and I think you can always, I think you can tell when it's like real Kanye versus maybe the slightly more polished like stuff, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, I know like my, my, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. One day I will actually say the acronym for that correctly. Cause I always mix up the, the adjectives. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> in what order they come. But I know there was a big team on that. Like right. in terms of producing arrangements and in the lyrics, it was like a whole. And that's your favorite of his albums. That's my favorite album of all time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think that's, it's kind of okay though, isn't it? Because Kanye, it's, it's, it's not, for me anyway, it's not so much his rapping that I love. No. You know, that's that's like way down on the list of yeah. things that I love about Kanye. I, I love him so much as a producer. Yeah. Like I just think that he creates such interesting worlds in his music. And I think he's a great albums artist when he gets it right. He's a really, really good albums artist. And so I, I hope when you're coming out with something called Jesus is King, wow. like yeah. it's it's such a powerful statement i'm just i'm expecting a lot i'm afraid to expect a lot <laughs> and now i'm afraid it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah well I, I i suppose i could stomach it not happening tomorrow as long as it's not a yandy thing where it, it just doesn't happen just and doesn't then happen it just never all. happens i know i mean remember we got five albums yeah last year remember those days but i i remember <laughs> i remember um after the life of pablo he had he had he said he had a video game and two albums in the works mm -hmm. there's an album he was supposed to have called uh, turbo graphics 32 <laughs> and that just never happened i'm still waiting for turbo oh graphics God. i want Drop that album th turbo graphics 32 <laughs> can you what the hell um but whether it's tomorrow or in a couple of months time i'm sure it's going to be at least a, an interesting listen yes definitely will we talk about some music that has come out absolutely okay uh what's our first track on our songs of the week it's your pick so um this first track is from um danish group efterklang indie rock group um and this is taken from their new album altid salmon and the track is super tanker so we'll have a little listen great Lamen hænger For enden er kar Super tanker Står i vej So, that was Super Tanker by Afterclang, taken from their new album, Altid Salmon. Um, I've really been enjoying this album. I think I've been on a little bit of an autumnal vibe binge. Um, been really. You are talking to the right person, yeah, my friend. <laughs> I've been I've been embracing the season. Um, 
changing my color schemes and also changing my music listening habits, getting into kind of slower, more cinematic down-tempo music. You might even go as far to call it moody. Mm-hmm. This track is one of the singles off the new album. Um, really great album listen, but this track in particular I think stands out as a single. Um, lead, the lead vocalist has kind of a great kind of very ethereal, very nasal way of singing, which I really, really enjoy. And it's just built upon really nice, there's horns in there, really kind of quiet, meandering guitars, the kind of moody bass line. It's a really, really nice, really nice track. I think moody is definitely the, the it hits the nail on the head with that. I do really, really like his vocals. I don't know them at all. I only know this track. Um, and I, I like the way the track isn't afraid to just kind of be two tracks. Yeah. Like it sort of just sw- switches up towards the end. It's it's long enough, isn't it? It's like six minutes or something. Yeah, it's and, long um, Yeah, it's not afraid to just be like, okay, now now we're doing this thing. Uh, they seem like a really interesting band. Um, I'm gonna definitely check out that album. Yeah, especially and if it's got an autumn vibe to it. Oh, it's very autumnal. Mm. And I think it's nice to listen to music that isn't in English. The lyrics aren't in English. I yeah. think I think sometimes that works. And I think if you only listen to English-speaking music, you miss out on a lot of stuff from like Scandinavia or from parts of Europe yeah. that aren't English-speaking. You miss out on a lot of great music. Yeah, so, it yeah. goes beyond Sigur Ross people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's more out there. Yeah, uh, but great. Yeah. Um, so moving on, our next track is from the collaborative album between Quivine O'Reilly and Thomas Bartlett, also known as Doveman. Um, it's a self-titled album and the pair have worked together plenty in their efforts as the gloaming um, this is track is called wanderer and uh, we'll give you a listen to it now What did you think about that? I found this really, really moving. I, yeah, it's, I always find it hard when it's the gloaming or it's, you know, variations thereof um, to kind of put into words what it is that I feel about it. But I think I experienced, as close as I've ever experienced ASMR while listening to this track. Yeah. It wasn't quite ASMR, but there was something there. I, I just I love that tone of how you can hear like every single string on the bow when it's going across yeah. the um I don't know if you technically call it a violin or a fiddle in this situation, but um yeah, it's it's such a beautiful track that really, really takes its time. It I feel like they're great at trusting their listeners to just yeah. give themselves over and bring them on a little small journey and um yeah, I mean, I was listening to it in in the Latin rain on on my way here, and it was the thing that got me through walking in the Latin rain. It was actually a nice little moment I had on my yeah. way over. But yeah, I, I think this is really beautiful, really strong, and really kind of trusting of its of its listener. Absolutely, yeah. and I think the album because it's so understated, and this song especially because it's so understated in a way, mm. it's been kind of uh, slept on a little bit. Like the album came out a couple of weeks ago, and certainly I may be gave it a precursory listen and then, you know, move on, listen to something else. And it's Mm. only, you know, going back and taking the time to listen to it that it's really kind of captured my attention and my imagination. It's really fantastic. And I think it's interesting, I'm thinking about how it differs to the Gloaming's material, Mm. you know, because with the Gloaming, you have 
just a slightly more stronger conservative trad influence in there. Yeah. Martin Hayes, especially, it's all he's known. Whereas Queveen, I know especially, he likes to kind of take that trad sound right out into more contemporary classical sounds, yeah. which I think this album is great at. And I think Thomas Bartlett, who is also Doveman, who plays piano for The Gloaming, he gets to be far more expressive in the way that he plays. And this song is a great example of that. Like the piano is such a strong influence in this song. It's, yeah. It is. I think it's, it's a bit more cinematic than you'd usually get from the gloaming say i could definitely see this being like a an accompaniment to some kind of like short video or something yeah. you know if it was it was really kind of impressionistic and but not like you said not not in that more traditional trad way definitely more of like contemporary expressive just going along with an idea way it sounded like it was improvisation yeah which i liked a lot yeah because um, it felt like it, it it started with one idea and then it just grew and expanded yeah um not into this big massive sound or anything but just it just grew on its own little journey um which i just thought was really lovely yeah, yeah, really sweet. yeah very nice wow. um so our last song is going to be eggs by new york-based mc wiki so let's have a listen Young C's of the crowd please the town leader in the round theater when the town needed most to assassinate my character with all the shit that you say. At two brute, stabbed in the back, two shade, through your shade. But they won't plays about me, name me after the fade. You two That was Eggs by Wiki, and that track is produced by Madlib. What did you think? I really, really, really like this. It's so high energy. Yeah. And humorous and funny. I love the flow in it. I love the tone of his voice. It reminded me of Doom's Mm Food album. I love how it's impossible to Google because you look wiki up eggs wiki eggs <laughs> like nothing on it you have like the seventh page of results exactly and you're like oh there it is yeah um yeah re- really really cool high energy song um lyrically like the, the the flow is really really cool he's he's he hits like a really nice stride in the middle ish where he he does kind of remind me a little bit of doom in his in the way that his words are kind of flowing but uh you're obviously a fan of this yeah yeah i yeah. i love this i he had a song off his debut solo release called mayor mm-hmm. which i caught through one probably a spotify discover weekly and that's i love that track and many people probably know that track he's actually a part of a band or a group hip-hop group called rat king which is perhaps he's most well known for but this song in particular i really like i think you just can't really go wrong with Madlib. Mm. I mean, like the album he did with Freddie Gibbs earlier this year is so good as well. He's just—he's probably one of the best hip hop producers out there. And I don't know. I love—I love—I um, love the MC's voice and I love the flow. Yeah, and lyrically, I think it's great. Mm. And I love that his voice does kind of—it's not like a lot of rappers try to go quite smooth with their delivery and flow. Where you know, Wiki's voice like really pops out of the mix. It's yeah, really, it's kind of frantic or something. Yeah, it's so animated. Yeah. Um, which I really, really, I really enjoy. It's kind of a nice, refreshing uh, change of pace. And also it's, it's not like, there's nothing to, this is kind of a no frills approach to spitting bars. Like he's just, he's yeah. just rapping. There's no like mad kick drums that like consume the mix or like mad high hats and all this kind of theatrical And it's stuff. not all it's, that cool. Yeah. It's just, just sort of like, yeah, and energetic and like excited sounding. Yeah. It's not like here's a cool rap song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a big week for albums. It's a huge week for Irish albums and we are going to be tackling two of them. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about both Girl Band and Dermo Kennedy 
Uh, up first is, I think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to withhold uh, my opinion on it, where it's Girl Band, the talkies. Absolutely. Um, and again, yeah, two albums this week that you could imagine when the choice prize rolls around, names would be at least considered strongly two, yeah. two a big, totally opposite albums, but two huge Irish bands. Um, Girl Bands Talkies, their second album. Um, it's fantastic to be able to talk to somebody about this. I've been cooped up with this album for the past month listening mm-hmm. to it. And nobody, obviously nobody else has heard it. So it's nice to be able to chat to somebody about it. Um, I'm a big, big fan. Um, the album, I was lucky enough to chat to guitarist Alan Duggan beforehand, and he kind of walked me through the process. The album was kind of written over the space of three years, you know, with their hiatus kind of over a year that they had to take for, you know, mental health reasons, kind of right in the middle there. And they kind of recorded it in three, se- three separate outings. Um, Ball and Tubbert House was where most of the recording was done in November of 2018. Um, and I think the album... I think I think it's really really strong. I would say, and I've been dying to say this, somebody mm. I would say it's probably my favorite Irish release of the year so far. Oh wow! Yeah, high praise. Yeah. So I think with Girl Band, Niall and I have talked a lot about Girl Band on the podcast in kind of various guises, whether it's about their singles or just about the Irish music scene in general, or even you know when you're talking about bands like Fontaine's DC and the Murder Capital and Girl Girl Band have been a, a name that is come up over and over and over again as being you know this high influence on this new generation really of of um of rock mostly male rock um but as it's just kind of being this like starting point and i remember when all the talk about fontaine's dc especially when all of that was kind of breaking and you know they were being written about in like the New York Times and everything was like really 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 huge I was just thinking what's what's gonna happen when girl band come back you know um what's it gonna be like because I think that they're returning to a different scene now they're they're returning to the scene as having influenced quite a lot of it um and I think for the first time ever their contemporaries kind of in in a way sound like them um so it 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 positions them differently i think but what i was delighted about with this album is that much like the first time i listened to their first album or the first time i've i've heard any of their music for the first time i just had such a unique response to it that i just i don't get with other music and it's not always nice it's not always enjoyable but it's it's always really really evocative and emotive and it always really does just kind of punch you hard yeah so i think you know that that coupled with the idea that in in the same way as you i've i've had the album for for a while now and it's just been this kind of little secret that i've just been listening to and 
that sort of, you know, underlined the personal experience that I've been having with the album because I, I was dreading the discourse around it, to be honest. I was dreading the, them coming back and then everybody having an opinion on this and that and the other and just kind of ha- having a repeat of conversations we've had this year over and over and over again about about different bands. So it actually was really, really nice to get it early and to really just spend time with it on my own. Yeah. Because I think that's how girl band... I think that's how they work best, even though uh, contradictory um, when you're at a live show and it's that big kind of, you know, communal, like pulsating energy that you get from an entire entire room of people. I still think that when you listen to girl bands, you go through something quite personal. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, maybe just me. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, it is, and it's strange that such a hype is built up around them, considering how vastly uncommercial the entire album is. Mm. It's not, it's not catchy in any way. It's not, it's never something that's going to sell to the masses. No. And in that way, I think they're completely opposite to Fontaine's, especially, and the murder capital, they yeah. don't search, share similarities there. Mm. It's just like, they're the only three famous guitar bands in Ireland yeah. at the moment. You know, yeah. it, it, it's kind of that vibe. But I think definitely, yeah, it is the girl band, especially. It's not, it's it's not it's not glitzy. It's a very much a personal listen. Um, yeah. And I think, like, I mean, I don't know. I I I I really enjoy the album, and I've been very lucky to be exposed to it so much. I think, like, even the opening track, which is Prolix, which is the sound of um, Dara, the lead singer. He's just having a panic attack, and they mm-hmm. record that. And you listen to something like that and it, it, I just don't know anybody else who's making music like that. And like you said, it's not necessarily always a very pleasant response that you have to their music, but it is very unique. It's challenging for sure. Oh, it's definitely challenging. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of tracks. I know Salmon of Knowledge, um, and maybe Prefab Castle, maybe Laggard. Both of those tracks are seven, eight minutes long Mm. and really dense instrumentals, very abrasive um, and there's, there's one of the, one of the tracks, I think it's Salmon of Knowledge. It's just Dara for about two minutes going like, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, <laughs> just over and over. It's almost like, I, I feel like their music is quite, to me, it's quite humorous and mm. it's like, they're in on the joke though. It's not like, it's not like the joke is above them. They're like, they're super in on that joke. And it's almost like they're like kind of giggling at the people like creating so much hype about them and they're just like yeah we're just gonna stick in this two minute bit of me saying jesus jesus yeah. over to wind people up i think that's what i enjoyed a, a lot about this is that you know musically it's obviously accomplished and and complex yeah but it doesn't kind of stand 10 feet tall and ask to be taken oh so seriously Absolutely. do you know there's no like I never feel like I, I I never felt while listening to it that I had to really, you know, put on my musicology hat and think, think you know, oh, well, what he's doing there is very interesting. And isn't that an interesting take on this? It's just an assault of feeling and and some of that feeling is humor and some of yeah. it is is also, you know, panic and anguish. And it's sort of like breaking down all of the base human emotions it made me think a lot about tom york's album from earlier this year anima in that i felt like it it just sort of passed over having a conversation with you the listener and just gets straight into like your subconscious and it it doesn't waste time trying to you know 
yeah it, it doesn't waste time trying to be clever or trying to have like you know interest like I, i'm not saying it doesn't have interesting turns of phrases but it's not it's not hung up on being clever absolutely not like it will i mean the, the song about the palindromes that's obviously very very funny yeah but it's not it's not like this kind of beard stroking like it's not aloof in any way yeah yeah it, everything about it is 100 percent sincere and I think that that's what makes them such a, such a believable and such a believable hardcore act. Given that hardcore has as a, as a genre that you know, people are actively engaging with. It's been a while since I've had like all of the hardcore bands that I have listened to throughout my whole life have all been bands that were big before I was born. Yeah, long long ago. Yeah, a really long time ago. Whereas now it's kind of like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, musically, there's obviously... It is a bit different. There's... I, I did find it a little bit more accessible melodically than their previous album. There are moments in it where, like, there's a groove here, there's a clean melodic sound there. Yeah, you even get a melody out of Dara every now and again. Yeah, but then it always ends up just... It's kind of like there's there's too much going on at once yeah. not in a bad way but it's, it, it ends up sounding like a pair of runners and a washing machine at the end it's just like bam you yeah. know uh, too much is going on at once which is what happens in your own head all the time yeah absolutely and that's what the exact feeling is do you know yeah i know exactly what you mean mm. and in that way the album is so self-aware I mean, you definitely could, as you said, put on your musicology cap and talk about like, you know, the guitar tone and going Norway, that pulsing sound. And you could get, you can spend so long getting into that. But I think ultimately the band are saying like all of this hype and all of this, like getting in, assessing music, that just doesn't matter. It's about how it makes you feel and mm. how you experience it and everything else is kind of secondary to that, which I love them for. And I think when you hear people talk about girl bands, sometimes people preach them from some sort of pedestal, like they're the second coming of Christ. Mm. It's almost like you get you, in your head or you imagine a totally different band to what they end up actually sounding. I and agree. Being like. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's totally different. They're just not those people at all. I don't think they're interested in being those people. No. Um, and it's very honest, sometimes very funny, sometimes tragically sad music. Yeah. And I think, I think that also goes 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 far in, in in the lyrics as well like it's not the lyrics aren't really asking to be understood they're just kind of asking to be heard yeah it's like this is what i have to say i'm not asking you to like pour through it as if it's a joyce novel <laughs> no shade but but i just want to be heard like this is this is just the experience of, of what this song is, is, what's happening with this song while it's being written. And it's that sort of, I don't know, like immediacy in it that I find so moving about it, you know? Absolutely. And I've like, like I said, I've, I've always had this strange, and I've said before on the podcast that I've always had this strange relationship with Girl Band in that like, I don't know, I, I do find that it like, listening to them moves me but like it moves me physically as well it's like I have physical reactions to listening yeah. to them and this album turned that up to 11 like yeah. that that first track I found 
really difficult that, at times. That track should almost come with a trigger warning. It's it's, it's, Ge- it's genuinely it's yeah. Like as an anxiety sufferer, as somebody who who gets panic attacks, like it's just the the intimacy that I have with that bre- that particular breathing technique. I felt just so 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 close to it, um, and I think that like that's what I want my like my hardcore music but also just music in general that's what I really really want from it is that I want to be challenged and it's not like it it's a triggering moment but it's almost like a an externalization of something and seeing something or hearing something that happens to other people and therefore making you feel not only connected with the person or with the band or with the music, but making you kind of feel less alone in this thing. Um, and I, I know that the band themselves don't really talk that much anymore about, you know, mental health and like publicly like to journalists or anything. But I think that everything that you need to know from them is here, you in know, music, it's, yeah. it's, it's here in the music and it's like, I don't, I'm not interested in in hearing anything other than this because this is, I think, like one of the most vital and accurate expressions of my experience of kind of mental health difficulties and anxiety disorder and and that kind of thing. And I I think definitely the um, the lyrics are worth highlighting throughout. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the strange things about them is that Dar didn't use any 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 pronouns at all throughout the album so there's no i me he she we which gives it a, dissoci- a dissociative vibe at times mm-hmm. but there's some of the lyrics and like you said they're i don't think they're meant to be read literally i think it's supposed to be more of an almost like an impressionist thing like the feeling you get when you read the lyrics as opposed to the actual meaning of each word but there's a great sort of one of the ones that's one of the couplets that's been stuck in my head for so long is like um it's in going norway and it's uh He's like, uh, it's Christ that's mental, what is normal? Christ that's mental, what is normal? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, <laughs> I almost imagine like something you would say out loud saying like, oh, Christ that's mental. And then like the internal dialogue you'd have in your head being like, what is normal? Oh, uh, like, yeah, I almost, yeah. I, I, like in my head, I almost imagine it like that. And it's mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Again, that's something I never, I didn't get the first time or the second or the third time that I listened to the mm-hmm. track. It was kind of like 20 listens in. I was like, oh shit, is that? And that's like, that's just... And again, it's not, there's no prescribed meaning. That's definitely not what he, well, not definitely, but that's probably not what he, what he meant to intend from that. Mm. But it's great that the, the lyrics are so, like that they have that kind of freedom of association that you can kind of bring your own interpretation to it. And it's equally as valid. It's really, and it's really fantastic. And again, miles away from what the other rock bands in, in Ireland are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, yeah, I, I really like not knowing who the narrator is in the song and I because because you get lovely moments like that where where you're imagining a dialogue between an external and an internal person without having it explained to you yeah you know without without kind of falling back on any cliches that 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 might have that that might have associated with it whether it's like you know the pitching up one of the vocals or or having it as a duet in some way or anything they they avoid I mean, it's like they've never heard of cliche. Like this, this is they sound like nothing else, you yeah. know. Or, or they sound like they sound like other things that that have come before, but just completely, completely in their own way. 
What I'm saying is that they're original. <laughs> Very much so, which, which is <laughs> damn hard to do. It um, is, you know, and I, th- I think there's a lot of bands like Irish and abroad that we talk about as being like originals these days, but I don't know anyone really who's doing it yeah. better than, and, than uh, yeah, girl absolutely. Band. And they, they absolutely don't wear their influences on their sleeves. And yeah. music, like obviously they have a lot of influences, but it'd be hard to pick them out. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alan talked to me about techno. I'm, yeah. I'm just like, okay. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. today if you're listening on friday so let us know what you think i think and if if it's your first time listening to girl band um good luck and god bless and godspeed <laughs> i guess but yeah um really really happy to have an album this week that i'm super excited about yeah um we've another album out this week absolutely by young dermot kennedy absolutely ireland's kind of big one of the big emerging acts at the moment internationally yeah um and his debut album, Without Fear, uh, and it's cheating to say that the Dermot Kennedy album was an album that was just a collection of singles. This is his debut studio album, Without Fear. Great. Will we take a listen to one of the songs from it? Absolutely. This is going to be Moments Past. past an oldie but a goodie i guess uh from dermot kennedy luke tell me about this tell me about um, this track so moments past is one of his was the single that introduced me to dermot kennedy the mm. single that i heard and heard it and actually was like wow this guy is a serious serious artist um i was going through a breakup at a time so i i definitely oh, have a sentimental i have a sentimental attachment to it definitely it. but i i fell for that song and fell for dermot kennedy at that point hook line and sinker I'm a little bit, and I know we have a slightly differing, I know we have a vastly differing opinion on this album, so I want to get to that, but I want to put in a slight caveat here that I'm a little cheesed up that this album has songs like uh, Moments Past and uh, sort of some of the tracks he's done for Power Over Me as well, some of his older singles, because he did release a compilation called Dermot Kennedy about two or three months ago where he said, like, I just want to put this out here. These are all my release singles to date. This just marks the end of one chapter and the next chapter is going to be all my new material. But there's three or four songs that turned up on this album that are taken off Dermot Kennedy, which I'm a little cheesed off about. Okay. But you feel like you haven't got your money's worth with this. I just feel like, I, I know he's a prolific songwriter. I know he could whip more out of the bag. You don't got to stick with the old stuff, but sure. um, who knows what I guess was. with a debut, you want to get the big ones on there as yeah. well, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, what do you think? 
Um, so Dermot Kennedy, I have always, I guess, struggled a little bit with. Um, it's hard for me to pinpoint what it is that kind of stops me from giving myself over to him. And I think that's probably my issue is that I've never, I've never really felt the need to really, I've, I've never felt that connected with yeah. him. And so I went into this album hoping that I would find something in it um, to grab onto. And I think what I found was his voice which I guess is probably like, well, well done, Captain Obvious, Andrea Dermot Kennedy has a good voice. <laughs> but I do really think that his voice is, it's something else. Like, it's really, really powerful, really beautiful tone. And I just wish that I liked the songs more. Yeah. So that I can enjoy the voice what exactly okay yeah his voice is fantastic it's, it's so it, and it's, good not only is it so strong it's so expressive mm. as well it's never like a flat delivery um but like what is it about the songs are they too poppy is it too is it too acoustic guitar guy yeah it's so i guess it's that so the the album is very very polished and produced very, you know, cleanly and Definitely. like really squeaky clean. And I think that was an issue I had with it. Um, I think with his voice, it's so gravelly, it's so expressive. I would have liked to hear a bit more grit in the music to go along with it. Um, I liked the first track a lot. Um, I liked the kind of, were they kind of like pitched up vocals in the background of it? It was a bit of a Bonnie Bear Definitely, moment. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board with this. And then I didn't really hear much else of that throughout the album. So I was a little bit disappointed by that. Um, I think that, that that's a lovely sound for him. And I wish that he had stayed in that kind of pool yeah. a little bit more. Um, I think Power Over Me is obviously, you know, it's a banger. Like, yeah, it's absolutely. Call Spade Spade. It's an absolute banger. Um, but there's, <laughs> there's not much here that I wouldn't be surprised to have heard on an Ed Sheeran album. Oh, I knew something new you were going to go there. Okay. And I feel like that's a really obvious thing to say. And it's, yeah, and I'm sorry okay. for saying it, but I genuinely do mean it. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean it in like, like, I, I think Ed Sheeran's a great songwriter. Yeah. But he writes songs like this. And I don't know if, if, um, if these are the songs I want to hear from Dermot Kennedy's voice. I think I just want something a little bit grittier. Fair enough. Something a little bit like to catch on to. But Luke, look, prove me wrong. I know. I think I think like as I as I, I get the, the last of the steam out my ears, um <laughs> <and> <laughs> I think I think it's it is a it is a valid criticism of his work. He does occupy that same genre of guy on acoustic guitar songs. Yes. Uh, and I think that's a totally valid criticism. And I think there is lots of people who won't get over that in his music, and that is so fair. Mm. Um, and I think there are points on this album that he does fall further into that zone. I think Rome, particularly, and I think Outnumbered, which is the single that he's going with right now, the lead single, it's what he did in his BBC session. That particularly is just weak sauce. Um, yeah. Really kind of by the numbers, acoustic-y pop. And I think he is, at his, in his worst moments, capable of writing songs like that. So, yeah, but while I accept that his music... Which isn't necessary. Like, I mean, if you're writing great pop songs... Yeah. 
but just not good Dermot Kennedy songs, you're probably doing all right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think while it is totally fair to say that his music occupies that same space, I think for me, he stands a couple of cuts above the likes of Ed Sheeran or any of those, Vance Joy, any of those people who have come before kind of, I think, and for me, a lot of it is he does try different things and musically there are those sort of like those Bonnie Iver influences there. There's definitely a hip hop influence in the way he programs his drums. Um, and I know the drummer from Melty Brains is a full-time drummer and they do an excellent job live. Mm. I think for me though, and this is a hill that I, I, I'm going to die on. I, I, know, I already know I'm going to die on this hill, but um, it's his lyrics. I love his lyrics. And I think they're not faux deep. I think Kennedy actually has a poetic diction and I think he actually has... I, it's it, the, the 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 stakes in his lyrics are always so high. It's always life and death. The way he writes about everything, it's you know, it's always the grandest stuff. Even if he could be talking about just having a fallen out, like a regular falling out with his with his partner, and he makes it sound like it's like you know the battle of the ages or like he really puts his heart onto his sleeve in his lyrics. And I think he, for me, most of the time sticks the landing in how he expresses it. To me, I never, I don't cringe. I really buy into it. Mm. Um, and I'm a cynic. I really have no time for this kind of music generally, but I've <laughs> fallen for, I've not necessarily through this album, but even before I've fallen for Dermot Kennedy, I really think that he is special and he does stand out in that genre. And I think like in a world of like rappers talking out their necks and indie bands being more aloof than the average kind of conversation in the smoking area of the Workman's Club, it is fantastic to have somebody like Dermot Kennedy actually just belt it out. Yeah. Uh, and it really, I don't know, I really, I fall for that and, I'll buy into it. I think this album was kind of the fundamental trajectory of how does he go from being acoustic singer songwriter to a big pop song, big pop song artist, getting that big pop sound. Mm. So like you know his early releases were really just like something you might hear somebody busking on Grafton Street. No, they'd be the best busker on Grafton Street at any time of the day. But it was that kind of song. Mm. Whereas the productions and the arrangements on this album are trying to get that bigger sound, more anthemic. You could, you could see it in like the three arena or even possibly further in his career in a stadium. And um, it is that sound. It does occupy that space. But I think for the most part, he really sticks to landing. And yeah, even like I'm so such a jaded cynic, but oh, he, he just, so he really, he, I really get an emotional response from his music. Feel, I fall for it. Like, yeah, yeah I really do. I um, think you're spot on when you say that his lyrics are the most heightened life or death thing that's ever, you know, it's, it's all very, um, I guess dramatic, oh, um, but I think when you couple that with how dramatic his voice is and you're doing that for 13 tracks, it just sort of, for me, I lose, I, I, I need ebbs and flows there. Like yeah. I need, I need peaks and troughs. Like yeah. I think maybe a couple of tracks interspersed here and there that were a little bit more maybe a little less high stakes yeah, and a little, a little bit low more key. yeah yeah maybe something like that or 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 something of of that early sound um like i said earlier something maybe a bit more gritty a little bit more um like authentic sounding a little bit more singer songwritery and less singer songwriter making a pop album yeah okay if that I, makes yeah, sense yeah i see that um i've absolutely no doubt that you know he's like anything I, nothing I say is going to stop him becoming absolutely massive oh, yeah. like like well, he's already like he's got he's, stands oh, he's he's huge he's, he's huge. huge like and I guess I can I guess I can understand why he's huge in the same way that I can understand why Lewis Capaldi's huge yeah who who I like a lot as a yeah. guy um 
But I think maybe there's just a disconnect between me and this particular style of music. And I, I, I don't want to be kind of derivative and say, you know, oh, it's, a, it's just another white guy with an acoustic guitar because some of my favorite artists are white guys with acoustic guitars. But um, yeah, I think maybe it's maybe how polished the album is. Um, I, I puts agree, one little I agree with you removal there. step I, between I think us. It was that ambition of trying to make it a big pop album mm. that, in many ways, is accounts for some of the album's biggest flaws. Yeah, I think it would have been would have benefited from a little more dirt, a little more grit. I think so. Um, I think the the pitched vocals and the auto tune sounds are something he should definitely be exploring. I think so too. I um, think those were my favorite moments in the album. Those were the moments where I was like, I want. I want even a whole song of this, yeah. you know, because it, they just come at little moments and I never really felt like he explored that sound yeah. fully. Yeah. Maybe in the future, maybe this is the album that's going to break and then he can go off and do his experimental Down second album, I guess. Yeah. Um, probably won't, but... But... Um, uh, yeah. I think, and you're right, there is, there is an emotional fatigue you get from, you know, uh, 11, 12 songs of... 12, 13 even, of, you know, life and death. Yes. Definitely there's an emotional fatigue there. Yeah, um, especially when it's paired with such a s- such a dramatic kind of vocal, which again, I, I, I think he's probably one of the best singers making music in Ireland now, oh, yeah. if, if not it's the best. Him like, and Hosier, Lisa Hannigan, probably like the, yeah, in terms of yeah. singers. Um, like re- really, really stunning vocal. I remember talking to... Um, no encores Dave Hanready uh, about Derek Kennedy before and he was saying to me I, I was sort of expressing that you know I, I'm I haven't really gotten it yet um and he suggested that I go see him live oh my god he's so good yeah <laughs> your face lit up like a Christmas tree <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah see so I think I think I should see Have him live him? no I, I went to see him when he did the Vicar Street last year and I was mm. still kind of on the fence about him People wept oh, openly. Yeah. Like people, I, I, I was in like, I was by myself, completely sober, reviewing a gig. Yeah. And. Carnage. C- crowds <laughs> around me were holding each other and weeping. Wow. People being like, like really emotional stuff. Like, oh, mom would love this and all this kind of stuff. Like weeping. Wow. And like, he is just, it was, at this point, he was just belting it out. And it was, I, I, I'd never seen anything like it. Really? I've never seen an artist do something. I'd never seen, in my experience, that happen at a gig. It okay. was, it was nuts. So I think, yeah, I think I have to see him live um, to to form my like full opinion on him as an artist. I've been told that by a few people that you do, like everybody feels something when they see him yeah. live, I guess. But as as a standalone album, I think that this this was disappointing for me um, in terms of being me hoping that it was going to be the album that gets me into him. Yeah. But I think that's okay. Um, I think for for fans of him, like yourself and like all of his stands, this is you know, this is what they want. Yeah, I guess. Um, is that it's it's got, it's got a lot of heart in it. It's got big bangers in it, and it's got you know, it's got that voice. For fear of moments stolen, I don't want to say goodnight. But I still see you in the morning Still know your heart and still know both your eyes I could have told you about the long nights How no one loves the birds that don't rise 
So you can tell the heroes go hide My sense of wonder is just a little tired so there are two there are two two big albums. We two have Girl Bands albums. the Talkies and we have Dermot Kennedy's Without Fear, both released today. Have a listen, let us know what you think. Maybe Kanye's released today. We don't know. We just don't know. If um, Kanye is released today, I will not be seen. I will be I will be below ground with my headphones and my Spotify. Another album that's being released today is um Sixty Five Days of Static. Oh yes. The math rock band themselves are coming out with a new album today. Uh, today being Friday, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to being nerdy and listening to some post rock again. Because are, are, are you are you are you a math rock person? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not convincing. <laughs> not anymore, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, I guess. Do you know Six Five Days of Tentacle? No. Uh, they're yeah, they're they're kind of a, a post rock um, band from the US, and they've made some of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. Yeah, they're really 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 stunning and. Um, Kind of like in the same way that we were discussing girl band, um, really kind of challenging emotional music, but um, you don't ever have to worry about lyrics. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, really nice. Um, so that's what I will be listening to. But um, what have you been listening to, reading, watching, consuming? Um, so I have been really making a concerted effort to get back into reading literature. Um, okay. I've had a prolonged burnout leaving from leaving college. I studied English and there was so much prescribed reading that I think when I left, I just had such a long burnout. And I've kind of stuck my toe in and out. Um, but a book, this is probably the first book in a long time, a couple of years, that's really mm. blown my mind, is um, Gregory David Roberts. Um, Gregory David Roberts' The Mountain Shadow, which is a sequel. Um, it's a novel, the sequel to a book called Shantaram, which is probably my favorite novel, um, okay. about a passport forger. Who, who about a passport forger in Bombay mm-hmm. um, and basically his tale and he falls in with the Indian mafia he escaped from prison in Australia it's a, the, the first book certainly was a semi-autobiographical account from Gregory David Whoa, Roberts it was actually cool. his life um, and it's this epic 1000 page tale of his life and his exploits there and this sequel, I feel like slightly might be fibbing a little bit. Okay. Might be more novel than autobiographical, but it's, it's, it's really fantastic. I've been, really? I think I've done like 450 pages in a week and a half, so I've been glued to it. There's nothing like that book that gets you back into reading. Yeah. Because like, I, I was the same, I, I studied English as well, and I was like, God, if I have to read another, like when I left, I was like, if I have to read another book, I'll die. But um, yeah, there's nothing like getting back into it. Cause yeah. It's, yeah. I've been reading, uh, have you heard of Big Magic? By Elizabeth Gilbert? No. Okay, so it's, I guess, half a self-help book and half a guide to how to, like, live a creative life or something. So it's by the lady who wrote um, Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, this book has been recommended to me by I don't know how many different people for years. Um, and I've always kind of dismissed it because I'm like... I, I don't know, like self-help books about creativity, I'm always a little bit cynical and dubious about because yeah. I'm like, you're, you know, you're ultimately selling a book and you're selling me the idea that I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a selling me a piece of paper that says well done. Um, but I've it literally just a, a copy fell on my desk in work one day and I was just like, right, fine, I'll read it. And it's it's a it's a strange read. It's an interesting read. And it's a bit kind of like, mm, so it would talk about like the jewel of creativity that we all have inside us as if it's a physical jewel that yeah. we all have inside us. Or it would talk about um, the idea that 
um, creative ideas, whether it's like an idea for your book or a melody for a song or whatever it is, are like real physical things yes. that exist in the universe and they come and meet you and you have to collaborate with them. And if you don't do it in time, they'll move to somebody else. But is this a sake for, uh, for the sake of creating a metaphor in the book or is this how the author genuinely no. so, represents creativity? That's what I thought. No, she believes that they are real physical. Wow. Like, and you physically have to meet them get this idea yeah. yeah so it's challenging to kind of get your head around that so I've been enjoying reading the book as as a metaphor every now and then she she slips in a little line being like and remember I'm not speaking metaphorically here I'm speaking physically <laughs> and I'm like okay that's that's quite a challenge there but um yeah I'm getting through it and it's nice there's the odd little nugget of just like a creative inspiration or a, you can do it has it sparked something. inspiration the way um I, I mean yeah i guess a bit it's just sort of it's more just interesting to read about other people's creative processes i think yeah i'm always quite interested in that and she talks about interviews that she's done with different people and like she interviewed leonard, leonard cohen about his songwriting process and stuff and um i think that's the part of the book that i'm i'm getting a lot out of but yeah it's a it's kind of a mad read um other than that, I haven't been watching much um, and I haven't been listening to much other than these two albums. Yeah. yeah. What about yourself? I'd what can I telly? I have a music related telly mm-hmm. um, to tie in. Um, new series on Netflix called Top Boy. I haven't heard of it. Um, it's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. So it originally aired, two seasons aired in Channel 4, I think in 2011. Mm-hmm. And now they've kind of done a reboot slash follow on se- uh, sequel. There's a series up on Netflix. It's essentially about, um, I'd kind of disparate as in it's interwoven tales as opposed to being about a particular group, um, gang of, not gang, like a, a, a cast of uh, sort of black youths growing up in South London mm-hmm. and their attempts to try and like make a career and make money and, you know, some are involved in criminality, some are not. Um, some of the main characters are kind of drug dealers. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. And there's a ton of British rappers in it the soundtrack drake did this drake did some of the bars for the soundtrack on it but there's a ton of british actors actually rapping it so uh kano is in it dave who just won the mercury is in it of course yeah. and uh little sims who released my favorite hip-hop album of the year she plays a character called shelly who i think is probably the best character in it wow um it's fantastic they only have one season i'm probably i don't get to watch much tv but i probably watched four or five episodes in the last week really really enjoying it Great. really fantastic top boy i'd really really recommend it brilliant um i think that's probably it for us this week i think so we've done well we've done really well yeah three songs a kanye deep dive it's been a classic podcast it has been (laughs) it's been it's been lovely and thanks as ever for stepping in while niall fecks off on a holiday thank you um and uh what does niall do at the end now uh the patreon um oh by all means support us on patreon patreon.com forward slash neither nine absolutely um we're doing a live podcast on the 13th of october in the kino in cork please do come along it's free it's at 9 p.m um and it's going to be a really good time we'll have more information about what we're doing and what it's going to be about very soon so keep an eye and that's all the things i think that is all the things okay um do we have a song to play us out, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to close out um, with new track from Irish artist Rachel Lavelle uh, after her sort of two or three year extended writing break. This is going to be to close us out, Perpetual Party. Thank you very much. Bye.
Some exotic dream that grips me Some hypnotic dream that lifts me And tips me over the edge Love to me. Meet, cute. I saw. 